In the beginning was the word. See, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? You think Jesus is some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. You're listening to History Makers, and today our guest hosts are Robbo and Shelley from the Vision Radio Network, and we're talking to Steve Grace, gospel recording artist legend. It's a great honour and privilege to have one of my heroes, Aussie legend Steve Grace, in the studio with us today. Welcome, Steve. You better watch what you say there, mate, because my only qualifications are I've got a truck driver's licence and I'm a qualified tradesman spray painter, so that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, God's certainly done big things with a truckie and a spray painter. Exactly. Uh, You've been been in ministry now for full time for, uh, well, it's over 20 years, isn't it? Yeah, 22 years. Wow. Well, something that we'd love to do today is get you to go back those 22 years and tell us some of the stories of the early days. As you said, you were a truck driver. God was doing things in your heart, though, and you you were writing songs and the inclination was there that you would get into some sort of music ministry. But it must have been a massive step of faith for you back then to say, okay, I'm going to cut all ties and launch out full time. Obviously, it's easy to look back now and see that it's all worked out. But back then, you didn't know what was just around the corner. So take us back to that time and some of the things that you went through, some of the stories of the really early days. Uh, oh, mate, it's it, it really is. It gets down to the, the purest form of the word faith and and really putting God to the test and and saying God if you're really there uh, there's something stirring in my heart that I just can't you know I, I I can't walk away from and for me I was I was happy driving trucks up and down the Pacific Highway and singing in pubs a few nights a week um, what what was um, really eating away at me was people in the pubs and back then it was uh, you know you're allowed to smoke cigarettes in the pubs, and so uh, three nights a week I was singing in these smoke-filled, you know, um, venues around at that stage, uh, Coffs Harbour in the mid North Coast area. I was driving for a company called Norco, and uh, but people would come up to me, you know, with a beer in one hand and a, a cigarette in the other, and just say, "Mate, you were singing a song about Jesus before, you know, tell me more about that." And it was, I mean, I was just happy making a bit of extra money, you know, singing Bob Dylan and Neil Young and Eagles songs. And, uh, but people kept hounding me to, I was always incorporating my gospel songs or my original songs into the mix just to make up three and a half hours worth of music on a, on a Friday night. But that got to me eventually. Um, the publican at the Sawtell pub came up to me one night and said, Steve, whenever you go into, a set of your original songs no matter where I am I come running because there's just something about your original songs that really speaks to me and uh, I wasn't in the, the pubs you know trying to preach the gospel or do evangelism and uh, but the, the publican there he, he just said mate he said you're different from all of the other bands and, and singers that I have in this place people come along uh, to listen to you he says as a matter of fact if you look at the uh, um, the beer sales, they're always down on the nights that you sing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, it's okay because, you know, I sell more, I sell Coca-Cola and orange juice and stuff. It makes it up. But he said, people come along to listen and, and, uh, it's just something about, mm. about your songs. Um, and he was the one that really challenged me to record my songs. Uh, it wasn't sort of, you know, some great word from, from God or from my church. It was, Yes, the, the publican at the Sawtell pub was the one that said, mate, you need to get serious with your music and do something about it. 
That was back in uh, uh, September 1986. Um, I'd just turned 27, and and I thought that um, that with my talents and abilities, all I'd ever be good enough to do was sing a few Bob Dylan songs in the pubs. Um, little did I know the Lord had uh, you know so much more of a calling. And when we make ourselves available to God, He's going to use everything that He has created in us. And and the Bible says that everything He creates is good. And that's been very humbling for me because I never thought I was good enough. And uh, so I just I look back at the last 22 years and it's been an amazing journey. I want to know what happened next. You know, you were 27. Were you married? Uh, did you have kids at that stage? At what point did you go, okay, I'm going to drop my normal regular job and go full-time with music? Because that is a big step, particularly if you've got a family to support. Uh, you probably need to be speaking to my wife, Kerry, uh, because she's, you know, I, I listened to her story on this and, and it was a, a catastrophic ordeal in her life. You know, we'd been married for a few years. We had uh, Shane, our oldest son, and uh, Kerry was expecting our second. And, he, and her husband is saying he wants to leave his secure full-time job driving trucks. And, um, you know, we were renting a nice big house and had two cars and we were doing pretty well. But... I look back and realize I was um, falling out of love with the Lord and I was falling out of love with my wife. And and it's so easy to do. Us blokes, we can become so distracted so quickly and so consumed by the things of the world. And um, and I don't think that changes. I, you know, as I get older, I realize you've just got to keep going back to God and keep saying, God, help me with my life and help me with the decisions that I make. But one of the most important things that Kerry and I did back then was pray together as a husband and wife and although she was really reluctant and and fearful of the decision that I was making she told me years later she had a great peace in her heart that that she knew when she married me that one day this would happen mm. that 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 we'd be stepping into uh, the realm of trusting God for our welfare and uh it was disastrous you know I left my job and within 3 months we were just stony broke <laughs> um I'd, I'd restored this beautiful old uh, 1978 Mercedes-Benz 280SE. And it, I bought it for Kerry and, and done it up, and it was just a beautiful old car. That was the first thing to go. And mm. then um, I had this beautiful old Fender Telecaster guitar. That was the second thing to go, just to pay the phone bills and the rent. And, you know, Kerry's looking at me saying, are you sure you heard from God that you were meant to leave your job and, and go into a full-time ministry? I didn't know anyone in Australia that had gone into full-time music um, back then. The only guys I had to look up to was um, there was a guy called Chris Foley and another fellow called Randall Waller. Were the two guys out of Sydney that had really kind of been professional musicians that were, uh, you know, out there as Christians, but you know, doing music careers. And uh, there was, you know, I looked at the the Christian or the gospel music culture and scene in America and you could make a very good living as a gospel artist in America but in Australia it was more like a missionary calling it was almost like God is it really you that's calling me to leave my job and get out there and start singing to people and sharing my faith and for me it was just a deep down conviction that I knew if I didn't make a decision at the age of 27 to do something that I believed and had conviction to do that one day I would turn 50 years old and I would look back with regret that I hadn't given it a go. And so if that's what faith is, um, you know, the Bible tells us that faith is is believing in things yet unseen. 
and for me it was like lord i i know i'm not much of a guitarist and I love writing songs and singing to people. I'll give this a go and I'll trust you with the rest. Well, this year you're going to turn 50. I'm sure that's not a surprise to you. <laughs> no, no. <it's... laughs> I saw <laughs> that coming. <laughs> but uh, looking back, you've achieved some amazing things over the years. One of your first albums, Children of the Western World, went gold. You've travelled all over the world. You've got friends in some of the most remote places here in Australia and other countries. As you look back over your years of ministry, is there a particular event, a story, or an experience that jumps into your mind that you think, man, I just never would have expected to have done that or seen that? What I do know, Robbo, is I'm about to turn 50 or in September this year, and all I want to do is do it all again uh, and do it better. I've got three sons, Shane, Ryan, and Jordan, uh, Shane's 23, Ryan's 21, and Jordan turns 17 in a in a few weeks. And I've got three boys, and all they want Dad to do is do it all again. And, uh, you know, Kerry and I many times thought we're mad doing this thing and, and just getting out there and, in a sense, pioneering something that didn't exist in Australia. Evangelism in this country is something and I would never want to be critical, but it is something that, that a lot of denominational churches still do not take all that seriously. And, uh, you know, we love getting involved in missions and sending out missionaries and supporting miss- missionaries, but uh, I, I, I'm i still burdened by the great need for effective and relevant evangelism across Australia. And, um, yeah, I'm turning 50 this year, and all I want to do is get back out on the road and travel to country towns and to you know, the suburbs and the cities and, and um, preach the gospel through music. I love doing it. And um, uh, is there a is there one story that stands out? No, there's a multitude of stories, um, uh, amazing miracles of, uh, you know, being caught in the, in the floods years ago out in uh, central New South Wales in a little borrowed van. I borrowed my brother's little Toyota van and uh, Shane was probably about five years old. And uh, we basically were the last car through that the police had allowed before the roadblocks went in. Uh, we were about 100 kilometres south of um, Forbes on the Newell Highway. And we were driving, for as far as you could see, we were driving on an ocean. It was just, it, all you could see was, was just water and trees. Oh, and with the sun going down, the trees, it was beautiful, just silhouetted. Um, but as far as you could see, all it was was water. And we had been following some vehicles um, along through a, quite a, a badly flooded section. A semi-trailer coming the other way uh, basically sent a wake of water towards our little van that became a, a mini wave, swept up into the motor and just completely soaked the motor. And I stalled in the middle of the water. The rest of the cars disappeared. Sun's going down. And I realised we were the last car allowed through, and uh, the last thing that I needed was for the motor to stop. So we sat there for a while trying to get the the motor going. I had Kerry, I had my mother-in-law, uh, Yvonne, and uh, my sis- sister-in-law, Renelle, and two of my boys in the car. And I'm thinking, man, I'm responsible for my family at the moment. I was stuck in the <laughs> middle of nowhere in a flood. I didn't know if the waters were, were receding or coming up, but uh, I stepped out into the icy cold water. And uh, I had a can of WD-40, and I thought this will do the trick. <laughs> you know, opened up the engine and, and sprayed the distributor and pulled out the spark plugs. Just tried everything to try and get this motor going, and it wasn't going to go. I used up the whole can of WD-40 in frustration and realized that, uh, that this motor was just, it was not going to go. I got back into the car, 
and uh, my mother-in-law said, maybe it's time we prayed. And uh, I looked around and I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, me being the, the man of the, the van, uh, I took the lead and, and I prayed and then uh, turned the key, nothing happened. We went around in the van, my mother-in-law prayed and Kerry prayed and eventually it got to little Shane who was five years old and I love the faith of children. And uh, Shane's prayer was, Thank you, Jesus, for starting the car. Amen. Daddy, you can start the car now. And I just thought, oh, the poor little kid, you know. And I turned the key and the motor started. Wow. And we drove for an hour in pitch darkness, just following the markers along through um, you know, floodwaters, probably about a foot to a foot and a half deep. And uh, we finally got to uh, the outskirts of Dubbo, and then the van conked out again, just rolling into the main street. And it had been missing, and you know it was just going for that whole time. But the, it, the, the motor stalled. We rolled to a stop out the front of a Kentucky Fried Chicken that was about to close in five minutes, <laughs> across the road from a mechanics workshop, and right next door to that was a motel. <laughs> and uh, so I walked in and um, booked into the motel, Got some Kentucky Fried Chicken. We all had a good night's sleep. I got up the next morning, went across to the mechanic. He said, oh, mate, I'm, I've got a lot of work on today. He said, but I'll have a quick look. And he pulled out the, the, the coil and he said, uh, you didn't drive this thing last night. And I said, yes, we did. And he says, no, there's no way in the world you could have driven this. The coil is completely cracked. Uh, there's no you know, circuit connection at all. Uh, there's just it's impossible that you drove this thing last night and I said well mate <laughs> we drove and it was it's just a miracle yeah. and this this bloke was so amazed that he um put a brand new coil in it and he just couldn't get over the fact that we'd uh, we'd driven for an hour and a half um, the night before uh, he refused to charge me he just said no nah, get out of here he says, oh, <laughs> he says I just want to be a part of your little miracle mate and uh, so he sent us on our way didn't cost us a cent and um, we you know I just thank the Lord for uh, the, the faith of a child and there's so much in listening to our kids and and I've over the ministry years I've, I've just loved listening to the input of my boys um, encouraging their dad to keep going for it, even though we, you know, we've taken some big hits and you get discouraged. But uh, I look at my boys now, and, and that's all they want to do is get out there and serve God and do music and do media. And so, I, I believe that's one of the great successes and the great blessings that I've seen of of serving the Lord in this way is uh, the whole family thing. So, just very quickly, give us a bit of a snapshot on what's ahead for the next twelve months. So, what sort of things are coming into play for for you and for your boys, for that matter? We've uh, we've spent a, a year and a half over in the United States of America getting a ministry called World Missions International established. And if I've got a bit more of an American accent than the last time you heard me, I apologize. <laughs> uh, I can't shake it. I grew up in Papua New Guinea as a missionary's kid, and most of my friends were Americans and my school teachers were Americans. So I've always had this kind of weird accent. Anyway, enough of that. Uh we're back now, and I'm um, making some plans to do it all again, uh, do laps of Australia. At the moment, we're praying about um, buying a bus so that we can take bigger teams on the road. Basically, get out there. God told me it's time to mentor and multiply. And I love doing the kind of just down-to-earth, grassroots music evangelism that I do uh, it really connects with local churches in country towns, it connects with people that would never step foot inside a church uh, you can take my music into any pub in Australia and they're going to be happy to listen to it and so I, I want to teach others how to do that 
and um, you know, young Aboriginal people, young Aussies that just want to get out there and say, God, I want to give some years of my life to serving you and and being a part of of the answer for this nation. And I've I've learned over the years, uh, music, sport, and art are three great ways to really connect with local kids. And uh, if there's one thing that I've loved doing from the day I started doing music ministry, it's going to isolated areas and telling young people that they're important to God where they live, uh, to t- telling little churches that they are important to the kingdom of God where they are, encouraging local pastors and their families um, with the sacrifices that they've made to go and, and serve those you know communities out in the bush. And I don't know how to to get that out of me. It's just what I love to do. And so I, I think I'll just keep keep doing it and invite more people to come along. So, you know, we're we're praying about a, a bus at the moment that um, we've been using that's available for sale and you know, getting a, a better PA system, a, a smaller, you know, more purpose-built system that we can just take anywhere and, and just keep doing music evangelism. So that's what's ahead for Steve Grace. God's also opened up some amazing doors in Papua New Guinea and the Solomon Islands for uh, for me to go up there and, and start doing um, development work with local churches up there. Yeah, it's pretty simple stuff what we do. And uh, I'm not much good at sitting in a lecture theatre and telling people how to do it. I've got to get out on the road and actually show them. Steve, it's been awesome spending time with you again today, mate, and uh, hearing some of those stories from the early days that many people probably haven't heard. So thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing with us. And we just want to bless you as you continue in your ministry around the world. Thanks, mate. Um, SteveGrace.com, if anyone's interested in getting updates on the ministry, we send out a, a weekly email prayer points from the Grace family just to keep in touch with people that uh, that love this ministry and um, and want to pray for us and, and be a part of it. So uh, you can you know, check out the, the website and, and get involved. One thing, mate, I have I feel very, very rich uh, as a, uh, a a man of God is the friendships and the relationships that we've established across Australia over the years and uh, let's keep ploughing the ground together. That brings us to the end of this week's show. You can listen to this interview again or any of our other interviews. Simply go to historymakersradio.com. Thanks for joining us. History Makers.